Hi, this is Tamsin Granger. And this is Dan Abuhoff. With Tamsin and Dan Read the Paper on Sunday, September 15th, 2019. Right. Happy birthday, Nico yes. Jasbon. Happy birthday, Nico. Uh, yeah. But we miss was... Nico. She's down in Bogota now. Bogota, Colombia. That's right. I hope she's great. having a great birthday. Yes. Yes, I'm sure she Look is. Look forward to having her come back. We can bake a cake. But not today. Because we are in... Percocy Park. We're on location. You know, normally, this is, we do this kind of thing from the house in uh, New Hope. But we are on location in Percocy Park, which is going to take a lot of explaining, Tempton. And you can start by explaining who our guest is today. Well, it's uh, the well-known Armand Evers. Armand uh, Evers. Bartender <laughs> at Diana's. Man about town. Man about town. And uh, he has become a member of Percocy Park. Yes. And, uh, oh, here, he's chiming in. Now. Oh, here he is. That, that, yeah. That's Armand's voice. You oh. hear. It's, it's not as if I can't suddenly developed a silken baritone. It's Armand. Yes, Armand. Go ahead. Don't let me interrupt. No, sorry. I, uh, yeah, no, a couple months ago, I, I, uh, I had been, I live in Percy. I live about a mile from here. Um, and I had been riding my little Vespa scooter through and looking at these cottages. And every now and then you see one for sale. But never knew exactly what was going on. But I'm getting ahead of myself. So Percy Park is was a retreat started in the 18, late 1800s by the Methodists as, a, 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 well, just that, a religious retreat for prayer, to get out of the city, the heat, the disease. There used to be a train that ran from Philadelphia right here to Percy, so it was an easy escape. Uh, there was even an amusement park nearby. Uh, there was a, an early log flume, the, the water mm-hmm. log flumes. Um, so it was a great place for back in the day, prayer and retreat and cool and safe and disease-free and all that. Um, but anyway, so I would ride through Perksey, or Perksey Park and never got to talk to anybody about what the, what the deal was as a plane flies overhead. We are on the porch. That's right. Just so you know. (laughs) So we might hear a a plane, a deer, cricket, something like that. Um, So uh, where was I about uh, explaining that uh, what Percy Park is? Yeah. So and discovered that it's it's just a wonderful place. A lot of people uh, are. Some people are here for all summer long. Some just for a weekend or two here and there. Um, It's just and a lot of people are from the area. I mean, literally within five ten miles away. But they just use as a little Get away. Right. Well, we should mention that in the 19th century, there was a huge evangelical movement in the United States, and this was part of it. Right. And they would have gatherings here in Percy Park of 20,000 people wow. for these camp meetings, they yeah. used to call them. And uh, sometime in the, I don't know, uh, 1880s or so, they actually built little cottages yeah. so, you, so people could be here all summer. And, uh, um, yeah, there's 60, I believe, 60, 62, 63 cottages. And, uh, they're charming. They're not winterized. Uh, and open April 1st to October 31st. So, I mean, there's no heat and, and come the end of the season, water shut off, power shut off, and that's it. It's so we are just physically, we're in a tiny cottage on the porch, very small cottage, and just a, a perfect sort of summer getaway situation. Temporary summer housing, if you will, almost. Yeah. But it's a beautiful setting, and uh, it's wonderful to be outdoors here on the porch. It's idyllic. Yeah. Yeah. It's a hidden gem. 
Yes. Now, here in Perkinsy Park, there was a huge fire in 1900. 1900, yeah. Yeah, yeah the and Reverend Acker, his uh, is, uh, wood stove. Didn't, didn't work the way it was supposed to, and uh, started a little fire <laughs> up here in the, up on the hill in the and eastern section. And these little wooden cottages went up like a bunch of little tinderboxes. Eggs, they couldn't go fast enough. Apparently, there, there was a hydrant, but that wasn't working, and even back then, who knows how well that would have worked anyway. Yeah, these are dry wood little structures. They're pretty pretty close to each other. I mean, they're, you know, you might have a 10-foot space in between two, but once one went, I think they lost 22 when it was all said and done. So, yeah, yeah, they said the first 15 went up in like 10 minutes. Yeah, 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 crazy. they just went one after another. But uh, so it really, you know, these are charming little places. And uh, I guess the association owns the property. Correct. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. you own the house. You can buy a house. You can buy one of these cute cottages for like $20,000. Yeah. Well, they do yeah. range. But yeah, it is kind of amazing. It's a tremendous value. Some are fancier than others. Right. But it's yeah. not about but, being uh, fancy. It's about being... Uh, they're almost of... more charming when they're not that fancy. And it's, so. you know, it's a real getaway. And it's an idyllic setting. So we thought we wanted to come out here. We wanted to uh, see the beauty of Percocy in general. We haven't been to Percocy too much. And Armand tells me Percocy is famous for baseballs. For baseballs, yeah. We used to make baseballs back in the 1920s. Um, about two-thirds of the town was stitching baseballs. There was uh, the Hubbard Company. He, they made baseballs in Percocy. They had a tiny little factory. But people would take work home and just do piecemeal work, and they'd stitch up baseballs at home and take them back to the factory and get paid for how many baseballs they did. There's one great story uh, in the mid-30s. This guy, uh, Freed, I forget his first name, but uh, him and some buddies drove down to Philadelphia to catch a Philadelphia A's game. Jimmy Fox in bottom of the ninth, or uh, bottom of the ninth, hit a home run. This guy, Freed, caught the ball. So he got home. He's like, his buddy said, you know, open it up, see what's up. He opened the ball. He stitched the ball. His initials were in the ball. He stitched <laughs> it up and kept it, and it was the prize of his life. He just loved it. <laughs> So but, anyway, uh, Percocy kept up uh, with the uh, hardball business till like the 50s. 1950s, and yeah. Then and then they lost the contract. They, and yeah, lost the contract. Spalding uh, decided to end their con contract, and they went making softballs. And they developed this better softball, and they were making 6 million softballs a year. Uh, and then, like through the 90s. Yeah, up until yeah. The, like the early 90s. Are these, are these the clinchers, the ones that, do you remember the ways look very stitched as opposed to the rubberized balls? These would be stitched ones. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah those, these... those were called clinchers. That's Is what that they what they were called? called? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. They, they were great softballs. They don't really jump off the bat. Right. The way the harder rubberized softballs that people use now, they don't last as long. Right. But that's consistent with the way the game is played now anyway. Right. So when you're playing with a clincher, you had a lot of fielding and a lot of balls that wouldn't play. You, you have go. a lot of line drives that people were avoiding. Well, um, they certainly had in town the, the stitching capabilities, so yeah, they carried on with that. Yeah. And the other great thing about Percocy, it makes its own electricity. Electric. Right? Well, okay, we used to make our own electricity. Uh-oh. No, 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 but uh -oh. you're, not, you're not far off. You're not far off. So we used to make our own electricity. There's still the old generating plant in town. I think it's a sheet metal shop now or something. But we buy our own power in bulk, and we have our own trucks. I mean, when Hurricane Sandy came through, we were out for 17 hours. And most of that was overnight. It went out at like 8 o'clock on a Monday night. They said, eh, just wait till the morning. 1 o'clock Tuesday afternoon, we were powered up. The rest of the area was out for 11 days. You pay your bill at City Hall. Um, <laughs> and it's cheap. It's, and then if I can fantastic. just real quick. Yeah. The yeah. other cool thing about Perksy is the trash. 
And the I trash. just I get a kick out of the trash. So <laughs> this better be good. It's pretty good. <laughs> yes. I mean it makes it makes total sense. Yes. You buy your garbage bags at the giant or you know, the supermarket and they're printed perksy. And that's how you pay for your trash. It's you pay for how much you use. Like mm-hmm. I'm a single person, I might use a trash bag a month, and they're three dollars and twenty five cents. Oh, that's your family oh for God. six. But so they, so they don't pick up a bag unless it is an official bag. It's got to be an official bag. That's interesting. Yeah, 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 yeah. And you yeah. just oh, leave it out yeah. on your lawn, or yeah, and the truck's like normal. That is so unreal. And the trucks ro- roam through periodically. Yeah, I'm, no, they no, they have you have your yes, certain days. It's, it's just like regular. You know, it's a world of its own. It's, it's yes. like a utopian society. Well, I think it might go back to like the early '70s when I think just a bunch of hippies lived up here and had these ideas and they. Stuck with them. Well, the other, great ideas. The other thing, when you were talking about Percocy has its own, I thought you were going to say Percocy has its own beer. It makes its own beer. And it does make well, its own yeah, beer. Yes, there which is. We a, just learned a few minutes ago. En route to Percocy Park, uh, we stopped at Free Will Brewing. Right. The tap room. Also, the brewery is there. We saw the big yeah. uh, vats. Big brewery. Yeah. And, uh, and we, we picked up some uh, brew. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, so we filled up a couple of growlers, which is why this is going to be a little less coherent than some of the other podcasts. Uh, and uh, they don't sell any food there. They sell some chips. But they're there to sell beer in growlers and in glasses. Right. And people sit at picnic tables outside, and they sell some canned beer besides. And They uh, have a lot nice. of uh, beers. Yes. Right? Yeah, they do. They do, uh, you know, the whole range. Yes, they have the whole range, and, uh, you know, they have like two or three different hazy IPAs, which would be enough to have one, frankly. Right. They have some normal IPAs. They have a Kolsch. You don't see everybody with a Kolsch. They have a cream ale. That's a little old-fashioned, but they have a cream ale. They have all kinds of stuff. Uh, they have about 14 different types on coming out so of the So you see the more taps. and more of these little breweries yeah. around with tap rooms. Right. And that seems kind of fun. I know uh, a couple years ago we took a bike ride out into Jersey and went to somewhere called Screamin' Eagle. Screamin' Eagle, yeah. And, uh, you know, there's... But here, here's, it. here's the economic thing that I still can't get over that you took in stride. It's, uh, it was $8 for uh, 32 ounces, I'm going to say, and, uh, growler. And for 64-ounce grou- growler... It was ten dollars. Right. That was insane. That's great. It, it's unbelievable. Yeah. So it it works. Well, it works for me. If you're like <laughs> me and you're not going to drink that much, it doesn't cost that much. Yeah. And if you're going to drink a lot, well, it doesn't cost that. It's much. It's a party system. But uh, <laughs> anyway, so I think uh, I was surprised. there wasn't a lot of times, uh, at least on Sundays when I see it. Uh, there's a food truck out there. There wasn't a oh, food truck today. Oh, no. well, we they got the picnic tables outside early. as well as yeah. inside. So. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, a lot of those early. places do have still. arranged with the food yeah. trucks. Right. So yeah. we're high on Percocy. I mean, yes. we're just here on a beautiful day. Who knows? But it's 84 degrees. You wouldn't know it. And I wish the carousel was open today. It wasn't. It was open last week. You have a carousel? Me. We have a carousel here. Wow. Yeah. Do you, well, you have a brass ring? Uh, they took it down. Oh. But it did back in the day. Today, yeah, no, it's run by the Historical Society. Like, it, but it's like a 30s, 1930s uh, Neat. carousel. Yeah. Neat. Yeah. All right. All right. So, so uh, we'll come back to that. We're going to come back to baseball in particular uh, because of Percocy's baseball tradition. But uh, we do want to just comment. We each saw some movies. Well, one movie for Tamsin and me and one for Armand. We saw uh, Brittany Runs a Marathon yesterday, Tamsin and I. A movie I had never even heard of. Tamsin, more tuned to popular culture than I am, informed me that we were going and we saw it's a Saturday evening, uh, and uh, it's kind of a an interesting story. It's it's a story about a girl who has uh, issues. She has social issues. She's overweight. Uh, she feels like her life is going nowhere, and uh, she gets into a self improvement program 
uh, of her own, and, and the centerpiece of it is to take up running and to run a marathon. But that, that's a very thumbnail sketch of it. And uh, frankly, when you just hear that thumbnail sketch, or if I just heard that thumbnail sketch, I wouldn't be terribly excited about seeing the movie. But I thought the movie was good. Uh, what did you think, Hampson? I thought it was good. It was a little bit on the Hallmark movie it, it, range. It, it was. It yeah. was. But on, on the range. But it wasn't really quite that. I thought it was better than that. I thought it was better than that. Let, let me yeah, read it you. was better than that. It, it had a few twists and turns. Uh, there were some very dark moments. Yeah. Uh, well, that's it. That's yeah. it. So let me just read you, because I wrote down a, a quote. I, I looked up the review in Roger... Ebert.com. You may be interested to know that notwithstanding that Roger, Robert, Roger Ebert passed away, there's still a website. His dot com is still His dot com is still going strong. Well. Yeah. Okay. And what they say about the movie, and I should say it stars Jillian Bell uh, as Brittany and has Michelle Watkins in it as a co-star. Uh, I thought this resonated. It says, you know, the movie comes off as a very simplistic presence, and you might be inclined to dismiss it like a Hallmark movie. But they said you shouldn't because it is, quote, nuanced, which I think is true. And here's the quote. The movie unpacks the emotional baggage of how society treats you differently when your dress size is in the double digits, how the scars of, of bad relationships past, if you've had any relationships at all, can pool up insecurity and how endless self-loathing can curdle into an attitude that hurts others. Uh, I think that's true because part of what was going on in the movie was she had challenges with respect to getting in shape and getting a life in order, but she also had challenges in how she related to other people, and she was her own worst enemy in a lot of that's respects. True. That's true. And, and that, that's the more nuanced part. It really played that out in a way that wasn't clear how it was going to work out. Yeah. Uh, so it wasn't really a Pollyanna-type story. So there was some depth to it. There was some nuance to it. Uh, and it might be worth seeing, though. I think Armand mentioned to us that it's going to be on Netflix, or did you mention that? Yeah, I no, think I, I think it's coming on Netflix. Which doesn't surprise soon. me. That's the way yeah. it was in yeah. a lot of movies. Yeah, they, a lot of times they put them in to, you know, garner some awards or at least get some recognition right, right, and everything. Right. And, yeah. yeah. And Armand saw the movie that uh, we didn't get a chance to see because the weather's been too good and we're doing whatever we're doing, traveling. Now it's the Tarantino movie. Yeah, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Now, yes, I know it's about a month ago it came out and I'm a little <laughs> behind the times, but I did see it and I was really looking forward to it. I don't go to the movies all the time. This was one I definitely wanted to see. Um, I think the last one was Black Klansman. A lot of times directors, really? Spike really? Lee, yeah, yeah. And, and Quentin Tarantino, of course. The movie was very good. Yeah. I'm not going to go great. I'm going to go very good. Um, uh, of course, uh, DiCaprio and Pitt, they worked really well together. Uh, great scene with Brad Pitt and whoever played Bruce Lee. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't know the, the, the actor's name, but uh, just a great like 10-minute scene. Uh, the Bruce Lee character was great. Uh, and it was a good story. It meandered a little bit. You know, obviously there was uh, there was some controversy about um, uh, well, before, Margot Robbie. But before we get there, before we get to Margot Robbie, um, so DiCaprio was playing like an old time movie star. Correct. Yeah. And yeah. Brad Pitt's playing. Is he, he was his like stunt double. Right. Yep. But yeah. they're friends and they're besides, too. And yeah, they're buddies too. Yeah, buddies outside of this. Right. Right. And and DiCaprio, his character. Uh, um, He's in his declining years at that point, sixty nine. Right. You know, he was in the old western, and that kind of was over. And he was getting a little older and a little wrinkled and haggard, and he wasn't that that guy anymore. But, and I get my senses, and here I'm guessing mm -hmm. in the mm -hmm. movies that Brad Pitt sort of more comfortable with himself, sort of more of the real guy type persona, with sort of a dark backstory or something like that. Uh, yes, exactly. <laughs> Did you see the movie? No, I didn't see the movie, but that, that's there what was, I was a little bit of a dark backstory, which I will not go into. Yeah. Um, and they really touched on it. Not it wasn't too involved. Um, 
and I don't want to give anything away. Um, but you were but, saying about Margot Robbie. No, but about the Margot Robbie, there, and some people in today's world, they were saying, you know, she was um, characterized as a bimbo and, you know. Yeah, uh, kind of marginalized and minimized. Well, she played Sharon, she played Sharon Tate. She? Sharon Tate, yeah. she was a young girl in 1969. She was like a young starlet. and. Right. It's kind of what she did. I mean, right. she was she was what she was, and uh, she didn't pretend to be anything more. She right. was perfectly happy being in a movie and, right. and doing her thing. Um, but they also, uh, they also say he caught the time period visually perfect. Oh, it's it's did. great. I mean, yeah. just everything. Um, you know, forget about the easy stuff, the cars and the clothes and things like that. But even just the signage and uh, uh, you know, long stretches of Hollywood Boulevard, not just a block that mm -hmm. you can just fix up here and there i mean long stretches mm -hmm. um and uh the the one scene out at the ranch is a great tense scene and i'll just leave it at that um uh you'll see that in the movie but and it should be out in another month or two at this point yeah well I'm that's sure. the thing you know we talk about talking about movies when they come out but it's so fluid now they come out it's in the theaters so, and then you, then you access it with amazon prime or whatever so yeah they're just out. you're like let's talk about that i'm like yeah it's yeah, gonna be out soon All but right. and and also the ending is a great ending, and I'm going to leave it at that. It's worth it for that. It uh, it 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 kind of defines the whole movie. Well, it's funny whenever I talk Brings to somebody about this movie. You know, we were talking to Tom Walsh yesterday. He says to me, "I said, how'd you like the movie?" He says, "I liked a lot uh, the ending." I said, yeah, "Okay, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah." That's just the way it is. Yep. Um, all right. So let me come back to baseball, uh, and uh, just briefly uh, at this point, at least. Because to, to well, I think all of us, when we think baseball, we think Pete Alonso. And Pete Alonso is the star of the Mets. Uh, the kid is just too good to be true. I mean, he's got 47 homers. He's, uh, this kind of wide-eyed, naive, uh, excited about everything. The guy with the Superman underpants. The guy with the Superman underpants, as he was identified in a previous podcast. And uh, he breaks in his glove in the microwave in the house. And Sadie sagely advised the wife uh, or the girlfriend of Pete Alonso to get a separate microwave for Pete. But that's another story. The point is that this guy is that way. They asked him how he hits. So reading this article uh, in the journal about Alonso, he says, well, he's from the see, the ball, see ball, hit ball school of hitting. It's that simple. See ball, hit ball. He says, do you feel pressure? He says, no, I felt pressure in college. In college, if I had a game coming up, like against Texas A&M, I'm saying to myself, they're number one ranked. I got a paper due tomorrow on the French Revolution. Am I going to get the paper in? How am I going to get ready? Now there's no paper due. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. I got Max Scherzer, but, you know, uh, the guy in Texas A&M was tough also. Uh, and here's a great story I like, too. They said, you know, his parents are pretty down to earth. He's from Tampa. And he comes across his country, although his brother and sister, there's nothing country about Tampa, but that's just the way Pete is. And uh, Michelle, they say Michelle Alonso, the mother, made her way through the stands before a game, an exhibition game. And they jumped up and down to get Pete's attention. And he starts waving like crazy, you know, at an exhibition game. And an older teammate barked at, barked at Alonso, act like you've been here before. All right? And Michelle could see her, so, her son's shoulders slump. She pulled him aside later and said, you know something, Pete? You haven't been here before. And you need to act like you haven't been here before. And that's what he does. And okay. it's Good crazy. For him. It's Good crazy for him. that he's doing that and he's not soured and he's succeeding in the toughest market in New York. It's insane. Did you hear about him this week? Um, we just had the 9-11 anniversary and he's, you know, he's the young rookie on the team right. and everything. So right. he's kind of supposed to sit, sit right. in the 
corners, kind of. Right. But uh, for 9-11, he wanted to have special hats made for the Mets, right. for the, the game. And he's like, no, that's not going to work. Baseball's not going to go for that. So he had special shoes made commemorating 9-11. And even he went through all the shoe companies, you know. Dan, you have Adidas, a contract with Adidas, you're with Nike, yeah. Tamsin, and got them all, and they made the shoes, and really? they were going to uh, they were gonna ask baseball if they could do it, and they're like, I think baseball's just going to knock us down. It's like, let's just do it. And they wore these special shoes on Wednesday and for 9-11. And he put that together? And he put that put together. Yeah, yeah. yeah, for a rookie. I mean, that's like yeah. a, a, the, the, older, the older statesman yeah, he's, kind of uh, he's, he's Look, he's a very appealing guy. You know, is he going to be a superstar? I don't know. If he's going to hit 50 home runs, I don't know. Are the Mets going to win? I don't know. But he's, he's, but he's a superstar to us. Hey, there you go. Yes he's got no. the underwear to prove it, so that's what matters, right? All right, so, Tamsin, speaking of 9-11, you have this story, which is kind of weird. Uh, yeah, I don't lights. have the article. Um, Do you have the article? No. You took it back from me. No, I don't. About the lights? Oh, here it is. Here we are. Okay. All right. We're a small outside thank, table thank on the porch here. We have help here. <laughs> We're not in our real big yeah, office we, now. We don't have to spread here. <laughs> That's right. um, yeah. Well, this well, this is just uh, maybe if you've been near New York uh, on 9/11, you might have seen the lights tribute that uh, is um, the twin beams. The, yeah, it's beamed up right for 9/11 in tribute to the World Trade Center um, and. Uh, it, it, it is magnificent looking. Isn't yeah. it? I mean, it's a great kind of tribute, in many ways better than a solid monument, mm -hmm. right? But here's the problem. Uh, it uh, confuses the birds. Mm -hmm. Birds are on their migratory route, particular route, at this exact same time. And they uh, get uh, confused by the lights. They get drawn to the lights. They get they circle in the lights. You know, people will notice. You see these just these dots going around and around. And uh, what happens is the birds get off course. They get exhausted. Some of them just uh, uh, either die from in the process, mm -hmm. or if they manage to get back on their route, then uh, they've used up so much energy they can't make their whole trip and they die en route. Mm -hmm. Uh, so they have put together, uh, you know, environmentalists, bird enthusiasts, people noticed this pretty early on, and uh, they put together a group of volunteers who counts the number of birds caught in the beams. And once it approaches, uh, I think the word, uh, I think the amount is a thousand, hmm. uh, they turn off the lights for 20 minutes. Oh, really? Uh, and so that the birds can find themselves and get back on track. Now, some people even complain about that. Mm -hmm. And the people who are involved in this, and there's there's actually a backlog of people waiting to volunteer for this uh, counting responsibility and be part of this effort. But, you know, everybody involved, nobody is against the lights per se, mm -hmm. commemorating, um, right. you know, the memory, etc. cetera. Uh, and uh, they don't want to do away with it, but they're trying to make it... Uh, better for these poor birds. Not to sound insensitive, but there is a reason for the term bird brain. Yes, so, well, they are. I'll, yes, there I'll is. I'll stop there. You know, Armand, <laughs> there's a new book out. I don't know what the book is, but it turns out 
Birds are very, very smart. There are was something I did. Yes. I know there was it a thing on NPR a week or two ago. I know. The bird brain is different. I know. I know. Okay. Oh, I, know. I, I know that. I know that Armand listens. Armand, I'm surprised at you. No, I know. It's like putting my finger in a car door. I'm saying it. I'm like, you know, I shouldn't be saying this because it's going to come back. Science Friday, right? It was Science Friday. Yeah, I'm pissed off with Science Friday. Because they uh, W H Y Y. Well, I guess I'm pissed off with W H Y Y. They changed the time for the show, um, Science Friday, from 2 p.m. in the afternoon Friday, when I'm usually doing projects right. and I need something to listen to, to 9 p.m. Yeah. Oh. You know where we are at 9 p.m. on Friday? I didn't hear yes. it this week yes. because yes. I was listening to Tamsin Dan read the paper. Oh, yeah. I, had, I had a little backlog. So, yeah, that is a problem. Episodes. Actually, they've been complaining. So, uh, it's hurt them badly. Yeah, I think you knocked them, out, you knocked them out of the market. Exactly. Birds are very smart and they actually see more colors than we see. Really? Right? Do you remember I them mentioning that? I don't remember that? that. Yes. How do they figure that out? Oh, you know, you're question. asking, yeah, know. You're asking okay, somebody yeah. with well, a pea I, brain. Just, we'll throw that out. And we'll throw that <laughs> out. <laughs> and you, you to, the source has to be another bird. Yeah, I mean, that's another, you couldn't that's get another it from a person who doesn't see the color. <laughs> okay. Moving right along here. Yes. Oh, art apps? Art apps. Art okay. apps. <laughs> oh, dear. So, um, article in the uh, New York Times this week about Magnus. Yeah. It's an art app like Shazam. Right. You point it at a work of art, and it tells you a few basic facts about well, it. Shazam, just so we're clear, you put, you, you put Shazam on when some music's playing, and Shazam tells you what the song is and who the artist is. Right. right. And that's been a tremendously successful business. But very few it, people it, know what Shazam it, is. I, I was it, just... 20 million your demographics people are use, that you have to explain 20 that. million people use Shazam. Every time you say it, I wonder what the heck you're talking about. <laughs> Apple, Apple bought Shazam for four hundred million dollars. All right, million I, 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 look, I'm obviously in pretty people deep with you people. Have heard of it? I'm, I'm out of my depth. So go ahead. Um, you point this so at a painting, and it tells you that is the Mona Lisa. It, and it's it tells by you Leonardo. when it was made, exactly. who made it, um, right. maybe uh, the size, when it was last sold, yeah. for how much, etc. Some some very basic facts. Okay. Right. Um, and so you know, Magnus wants to be. Look, it's, it's genius. There's only one question I have about that. When you're in a museum. And you point this at a painting, and it says, and it tells you right away who the, what the painting is and who painted it. Doesn't the museum have a little sign next to the painting that says exactly yeah, the same thing? Yeah, but I think thing? the idea here is you could paint, you could point it to a um, statue in the middle of a park, or you could point it to a painting that's in a gallery somewhere that doesn't have any signage. All right. And find out about it. Okay. Okay, so that's somewhat helpful. I don't think it's that necessarily helpful in <coughs> a museum. Okay, you might have a lot more information on the wall label. But they also say because you have the phone with you, um, you know, it maybe it can be more helpful to people with a variety of different uh, disabilities. Mm -hmm. um, okay. Real quick, just a quick name drop. Congratulate my niece, Sarah, who's going to be working at the Metropolitan Perfect. Museum of Art. I don't know what exactly she's doing, but congratulations. She's going to have a great time up there. See? That's it. See? You, know what, you know what might be a nice gift? What? This app. <laughs> she's going to be working the museum. Ah, come, come on, on. she come can look at the little thing next oh, to the Mike. next to the painting. But, but the the little ID card. They don't know what to write until they know what the painting is. This way, she throws the she, app on it, and she can oh, say, no, "She could be the, the head oh, art right. curator." Gentlemen, now. gentlemen. <laughs> so apparently, in the museum world, apps are out. Yeah. Uh, the Met uh, has gotten rid of their app. Yeah. Um, and uh, they're just not finding them that useful or helpful 
anymore. Okay. There, and there are a couple other uh, art apps like Smartify, which uh, actually tries to give you more information. But Smartify is hooked up with the museum itself. So it uses, you know, the database yeah, of information from yeah. the museum. So that that's, you know, again, it's somewhat limiting. You're you're in the museum, you're using that. But I, I think one of the big problems here is that, um, uh, as you point out, if you're in the museum, if you have the labels there, is there, you know, why would you want to be um, putting your phone between you and the actual work of art? Right. Is there any real need? Absorb so, the real painting yeah, and, yeah. and enjoy it while you're there, yeah. Plus, apparently, there are complications in terms of copyright and, okay. you know, taking right. pictures of the stuff. And, I still don't know if Shazam does it, but yes, Okay. What is right. she, just, what is she saying? It's Shazam. So oh, no, never mind, never mind, never mind. <laughs> but anyway, if you feel you would like a Shazam in art, yeah, Magnus, it's done. Okay, Magnus, good. Try it. All right. But you know, I think uh, there are Shazams for everything. Armand was saying you can get it for you. Can, a leaf. Yeah, uh, a leaf. Yeah, I think it was Columbia yeah. Oh, yeah, I think that's interesting. Because it, was, it, it was great, So actually. you can point it at a leaf, and it's going to tell you what kind of leaf it is, and it's going to tell you what kind of tree it is. Yeah, you take a from. picture, it tells you what kind of tree, right. what, what region yeah, it's that, from. We could everything. use that here in Perkasie Park, because we're, you know, plenty a of few leaves, leaves here. here. Yeah. And, and I don't know what any tree is here. Uh, but, well, I know a lot of them. <laughs> Stick with me. Yeah, another way yeah, to like, name about four, and I think that covers 95%. Yeah. Right. Maple, oak. I'm the one who needs it, obviously. Ash. That'll about do it. Yeah, you can tell the ashes, they're all dead. Yeah. How about really? those lantern flies? Do you have yeah. them over your way in line? Well, they have advertisements by the train station. If you see, like, it's a wanted poster. If you see a fly that looks see like this, something, it's, say a, something it, yes, kind of, it's a yeah, lantern yeah, yeah. fly, yeah. and call this number, and we'll get on it right away. Oh, if, they, if they handle that the way they handle the trains, the lantern fly is going to be there for a long time. Well, they'll be late. But, so, yeah. They'll be late. <laughs> you say they're coming this year? Yeah. <laughs> These lantern flies have been on they'll time be consistently June. for the past year. Let's get New Jersey Transit on it. They'll be waiting at the platform yeah. like everybody else. Yes, that could be their plan. Yeah, but it's, uh, it's a problem. Okay, honey, you, and your, your triple header, your third thing was Paul Revere. Boy, there's no rest for the weary, uh, is there? Okay. You're outstanding today. I think you're on fire. I think Museum. our mom would agree with me. You're the anchor. You're, yeah, you're, you're, the on, anchor. you're on a roll. You're on a roll. Museum update. Yes, yes, yes. There. Can Perhaps I go ding, ding, ding? Yes, yes. ding, Thank ding, you. ding, ding, ding. Yes. Um, the New York Historical Society yeah. is having an exhibition through January 12th, Beyond Midnight, the story of Paul Revere. Mm -hmm. So we all know the Paul Revere uh Poem, right? Listen, my children, and you shall hear blah, 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 blah. The Midnight Rider Paul Revere. Yeah. Midnight, yeah. Written in, uh, I don't know, like uh, 18, uh, I don't know, 17. 1861. By Longfellow. It's written 30 okay. years after the event happened. <laughs> after Paul Revere passed away. Up until then, Paul Revere is not a superstar like he is now. Yes, but it was okay? after he was gone. And uh, no bad. one really, you know, no one really made much of the whole ride thing at all. He was known as a silversmith. Mm -hmm. He was a great silversmith, great one, yeah. which means he also was, he also some, did some engravings, as in prints, as in come up to my room, I want to show you my engravings. Oh, yeah, oh, Tams yeah. and Tams and Tams and really, the untold story. <laughs> Do you want me to explain what that reference means? No, 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 no. <laughs> it's a family radio. Um, anyway, so he... Um, you know, he was an artist. He was a businessman. He also, this is interesting. He, uh, after the revolution, he starts an iron foundry and opens a copper rolling mill, mm -hmm. which was key because if America was going to become independent 
especially economically, you know, and build like ships. You needed these wide swaths of the copper mm -hmm. um, to line the hull of the ship, etc. Mm -hmm. And so it's also interesting because my mother had a full set of Revere Ware pots and pans. Sure. Yeah. Okay, my right? Stainless steel yeah, 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 with yeah. the copper yeah, bottom. Yeah, yeah. Oh, and that's it was, why it's copper bottom. Yeah, yeah. so, oh, yeah. you know, he's obviously famous for copper. And, yeah. um, it was my job to shine the copper bottoms. Yep. I remember you had to polish uh, every every night. Uh, every night. Oh yeah, because she had them all hanging out in the. Um, but you put them on like a gas burner. They would it, like, every night. You're kidding every me. Every night. What yeah, the, that's, that's like so sixties and seventies. All the copper bizarre. pots hanging and, we, and everything. I yeah. did that watching reruns of uh, Dick Van Dyke. Really? Yeah. Well, at least their time was well spent. Anyway, so anyway, it's a it's another view of Paul Revere. He. He actually, the way he got involved in the whole ride thing was, he was part of a group called the Sons of Liberty. All right. right. So they were, you know, like an anti-British taxation group. And they had other problems with the British. And uh, they actually, he was uh, one of the messengers for their group traveling up and down uh, the East Coast, because there only was the East Coast, right, um, right. You know, yeah. transmitting, I guess, secret me messages right. and information involved in a variety of inter interesting stuff. There's also a very famous portrait of him by Copley um, that uh, really portrays him as, uh, you know, less of a craftsman and almost like a statesman, even before he's gotten involved in the revolutionary stuff uh, that uh, people may have seen. It's in the Boston Museum huh. of Fine Arts, very famous famous uh, portrait and he looks thoughtful and intelligent and uh he's dressed way too nice for a guy who's uh hammering silver yeah. all right well that's interesting um all right so we're going to close coming back to baseball again but we're going to bring everything together here because we're going to bring baseball together with uh donuts with donuts that's all right you donuts. heard me correctly. yeah we like we like to bring up donuts this is as often it's as very it's very rare that a story appeals to everybody involved in the podcast. Hems and I have our different areas, Armand too, and yet every one of us, I think it's fair to say, was very excited about this article called Rise and Shine, MLB Players Reveal the Ritual of Day Game Donuts. Hey. And it turns out that generally, conceptually, what's going on in baseball, is notwithstanding all the premium that's put on nutrition in sports generally, uh, there are a sufficient number of throwback baseball players who insist that the thing they ought to be eating, particularly on uh, prior to a day game, uh, are donuts. And uh, they do rely heavily, and I mean heavily, on, uh, on ingesting Frasers, multiple like, donuts yeah. uh, before the game. Well, Todd, yeah, Todd Frazier, he's saying he, he has four donuts because he wants to have four hits. That's right. right Plain and right. simple. Right. And he says, I have to make sure the pitching coach, Phil Reagan, Gets his gets one every day, or he's going to be cranky, yeah. and that's not what you want from an 82-year-old man. Yeah. Okay. And, and there are a lot of uh, there's a lot of donut slang. Yes. Yes. Yeah, so a lot of donuts. Lead us through the donut slang. Okay. No nuts. No nuts. With nut, yes. Sorry. No donuts. Don't ask. It's a sensitive subject. Yes. Go nuts. Somebody needs to go get the nuts. Slow nuts. Nuts are on the way, but he's hit traffic. Oh no, nuts. One of my guys was on his way back with the donuts and hit someone. Uh, it happens to be true, uh, apparently. It happened once. <laughs> yo nuts, where, where, where's your nuts? Where's your donuts at? We have them, but forgot to put them. Say out. that again. Where's your donut? I like that. Uh, all right, right. Uh, low nuts, po nuts, 
donuts show nuts. I this like is what nuts. like this is what donuts taste like in the show. The show yeah. is the major. You're leagues. welcome. You're welcome. Yeah. Fluffy yeah. towels and, of course, and show nuts. Yeah. That's what and you of get course, uh, yeah, it's uh, they're quite serious. They eat these donuts. Um, and what's funny is, well, according to, to Fraser, of course, he says there's one location. You know, different cities have different donuts. They're talking about one uh, city, San Francisco in particular, best donuts. And he says, according to Frazier, Phil Regan was almost in tears when they got the donuts. That's how excited he was. Uh, it's hard to imagine that uh, the people get that excited about donuts. But Chris Davis explains it best. Chris Davis, by the way, who's had an historically bad season and will be out of baseball next year. The guy Baltimore, right? No, this is the guy in Oakland. Who uh, had? Uh, well, you're right. The Chris Davis in, in Baltimore has been the worst. Chris, da there are two Chris Davis. Okay. And, okay. and the one in Oakland has been a little better. But in any event, they asked him to explain the appeal of donuts, and I think this sums it up. I think Tamsin particularly will agree. According to Chris Davis, quote, "Baseball is pretty boring. Donuts are way more fun." So there you have it, okay, summed yeah. up by a baseball player himself. All so, right, so from the bucolic beauty. From of Percocy Park. Yeah. <laughs> the porch on Percocy Park. Yeah. Right. Uh, this is Tamsin Granger. And Dan Abuhoff. And, and Armand Evers. Happy with, birthday, Nico. <laughs> happy birthday. See you again next week with Tamsin and Dan Read the Paper. <laughs>